Advanced English 11. Here we are. It is Monday, May 25th. It's a beautiful day. It's a great day. We're going to take care of Macbeth. We're going to talk about the end of the year and hopefully catch up on some missing details. All that and more today on the Advanced English 11 podcast. Okay, guys, let's first start out with an apology. I was looking through the uh, podcast listings, um, trying to remember where I, I left off in our last podcast, and then quickly realized I forgot to post the last podcast. Um, so I kind of gave you a week off there uh, from the podcast. Um, two things that could be good for that. Uh, one, uh, gave you some time to catch up, maybe on the reading of Macbeth. Two, it gave you some time to think on your own, annotate, reflect on, on the, the readings in Macbeth, um, which brings you up to pretty much Act 4 now. Uh, however, we're, we have some gaps in, in the explanation. Um, we're just doing a once-over over, you know, on Macbeth, basically. I can't go into it to the detail I would. One, it's not as easy without the textbook. Two, I can't sit down and, 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 and go through it page by page with you. That makes it more difficult. I miss huge uh, points that I would talk about or even little tiny things, the perfect little things that Shakespeare is well known for. So one, we can do it. Two, we just, you know, we do it to justice, but we don't do it to the degree in which we could if we were all in person. Um, so one, sorry about that and missing missing the uh, the last week analysis of Macbeth. Now, this might be a two-part podcast. I haven't decided yet whether or not it will be. This, this format of recording gives me more time uh, so I can space it out a little bit more. However, if we decide to talk about what we missed and then talk about what we're supposed to, um, it might carry over into two parts. Uh, let's quickly talk about, uh, where we stand right now. Um, all the interim marks went out. Uh, you guys were able to see those. Um, I, I did field some questions and, and, and some of you who maybe were struggling, uh, to, to meet, um, that particular grade you wanted to prior, prior to the whole COVID-19, uh, dilemma. You have now been given that chance, and some of you have brought your marks up to, to a, a, a manageable uh, grade, something that you could progress, get a credit for, uh, if you would. Um, most of you, I would say, are, are holding the line. Um, and what I mean by that is, is whatever you had before, you're maintaining that. You're not dropping, and you will not drop. Uh, which is which is nice. So your your hard work is paying off. Uh, so continue doing what you're doing, everyone. So June fifth, a uh, couple weeks from now, you know, this week, not this week, but the following. Uh, that's it. Uh, we're, we're stopping. You will not be getting any more assignments. You will not be having to listen to any more podcasts. Um, 
and you you basically start your summer vacation, I guess. Uh, there'll be some behind the scenes work going on from your teachers and, and we'll probably, um, be using that time to compile report cards. Uh, school access will happen. Uh, we're, we're just going through the details of that this week. And I think we have to call all the households. So expect a call about maybe an appointment time or when you can come in to get whatever's in your locker, return school uniforms and textbooks. That's all going to happen and you'll be responsible for that as well. Uh, hopefully some of you don't have a nasty, uh, rotten lunch still kicking in your locker, <laughs> which I can only understand a lot of people would. Uh, but I guess you're going to see what happens to a banana after nine weeks away. Um, let's jump into the podcast. Let's jump into our topic and, uh, let, let's start to, to get into Macbeth. Um, I guess the one thing I do remember we did talk about was the uh, the killing of Duncan and the fleeing of his sons when Ireland went to England because of their lack of trust in the surrounding castle of Inverness. Um, so, so I guess we should pick up there. Um, the interesting thing about this is, is kind of the, the lineage, because we know that a king would pass on, obviously, his title, his crown to his sons. But when his sons are, or maybe he doesn't have sons, how does that power transfer? So the power would normally transfer in, in, a, in a different way. It usually goes to the one that has the highest rank. Here it is this rank of the Thane of Cawdor, that's the, the highest rank. We know Macbeth has been bestowed this, so Macbeth becomes the king. Let's just say by default, okay? Um, so, so this is going to happen immediately, uh, and then in, in subsequent acts, we're going to see not Macbeth as the Thane of Cawdor, but Macbeth as the king of Scotland. Okay. Um, so that brings us, uh, that's the very end of, of act, um, act two. Okay. Um, and McDuff and Ross, they have this conversation outside Macbeth's castle, um, about the dark nights, the, 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 the strange, um, unnatural acts that have gone on in uh in the subsequent days and, and that's kind of important to us because Shakespeare likes to set his 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 scene or his setting with like the background environment to mimic what's going on in the play so we know that all these bad things are happening in the play thus the bad things are happening in like the natural environment as well so the one thing that Ross talks about to this old man, and it's very interesting, kind of grotesque, but it's interesting, is that the king had two, had these horses, these, let's think of them, these stallions. And the king's horses busted out of their stalls and they became cannibalistic. And basically what happens is that t these horses turn on each other and 
one starts to eat the other. So at the end of the act, the, the old man, uh, Ross says to the old man, uh, a thing most strange and certain, and, and Duncan's horses, a thing most strange and certain, beauteous and swift. So these beautiful horses, the minions of their race, turn wild in nature. So these tamed horses turned wild, broke their stalls, flung out, contending against obedience as they would make war with mankind. Then the old man says, "'Tis said they eat each other." Ross clarifies, "'Yes, they did so, to the amazement of mine eyes that looked upon it. Here comes the good Macduff.'" So he, he even clarifies, "'Yeah, I saw it with my own eyes.'" This just shows us that things are turbulent. So it's a great, this would be, you know, for, for us, this, this kind of 2A theme, this idea of, of everything is, is uh, unpredictable and wild in nature. Macduff comes in and Macduff uh, basically uh, has this conversation with Ross and they talk about Malcolm and Donalbane, the king's sons who have fled and they're this, they're suspicious, uh, suspicious in nature and, and they're accused of maybe de- doing the deed, killing their father. And, and the idea here, uh, Ross says against nature still a furthering of like, it's unnatural for um, a son to kill his father. It's an unnatural act, an unnatural murder. And Ross blames that on thriftless ambition. So it highlights, again, there's to a theme for us, ambition. Um, but when he says the sovereignty will fall on Macbeth, the interesting thing is Macbeth becomes king and he's becoming king because of ambition, right? He's the one. He killed Duncan out of ambition. Um. So I guess the the best thing there is just to, to leave it at that. Uh, that's the end of the act. And then we go into act three. Okay. So act three would have been the act we, we should have talked about last week. Um, in, in what would last week be week seven? Uh, is this week eight or week nine? Um, it doesn't matter. But in act three, we, we have again, this, this introduction to Banquo and Macbeth and Lady Macbeth. Okay. So, uh, it, it starts off with, with Banquo and, you know, as, as he comes in, he, he, he brings our conversation back to the fortunes that were told by the witches. He says, thou has it now, King Cowdor gloms all as the weird women promised. And I fear thou playest most foully for it yet it was said so the idea is is these prophecies have come true it should not stand in thy prosperity but that myself should be the root and father of many kings and he turns the point back to him so he says that they said i like if those things came true they said i was going to be the father of kings if there come truth from them as upon thee macbeth their speeches shine why be the verities of thee made good May they not be the oracles as well and set up in hope, but hush no more. I love that line, but hush no more. You know, Macbeth. So remember in this scene, Banquo is alone. Macbeth's about to come in, right? So Macbeth goes, Banquo's talking out loud, sort of like a soliloquy, right? He's 
or an aside, you know, maybe it, it depends how they would do this on stage. But Banquo's alone and he's alone with his thoughts. He's like, all these things have come true. They said I was going to be the father of kings. And for him to be the father of kings, that means that if his son is going to eventually become a king, then Macbeth's reign will fall. So at the end, he says, but hush no more. I will not speak about this. I will not talk about this. He's going to think about it, but he's not going to talk about it. He's not going to give it any voice. Macbeth comes in with Lady Macbeth. So the kind of two villains uh, enter. And the interesting thing here is on stage, we'll see a different Macbeth. He'll be dressed in a robe, right? Um, because he is now king, he'll have on this, this robe. Sometimes he carries a scepter in his hand and this crown. Very interesting about this. This is our garment theme. These clothes hardly fit. Like they're loose and baggy and the crown's too big. So he'll constantly be pushing up his crown, adjusting his clothes because they just don't fit. Like think if you wore really, really baggy clothing or something, you might always be finicking with it, pulling at it, tugging at it because it just doesn't fit very well. He's uncomfortable in his clothes. That's sort of metaphorical, right? So there's that garment theme. Um... Macbeth asks Banquo a question. He says, ride you this afternoon? He's like, are you, are you going for a ride like on your horse? Ride you this afternoon? I'm a good lord. We should have else desired your good advice, which still hath be both grave and pro- prosperous in this day's council, but we'll take it tomorrow. As far are you ride? Like, where are you going? How far are you going? As far, my lord, as will fill up time twixt this and supper. Go not my horse, the better. I must become a borrower of the night for a dark hour of twain. So he's basically saying, I'm going out. Yeah, I'm going to be going out on my horse later today for a ride and, and, you know, before supper and try not to be too late. I don't want to get back too late before night. And Macbeth says, fail not our feast. You're coming. He Like, he's having a supper. Macbeth's going to have a supper because he's just been crown king and stuff. And he's inviting him to supper. He's like, you're not going to be late. Banquo says, my lord, I will not. Uh, Macbeth then says, we hear our bloody cousins are bestowed in England and in Ireland. So that's Malcolm and Donalbane. Not confessing their cruel uh, parricide, filling their hearts with strange invention, but of that tomorrow. When, therewithal, we shall have cause of state, graving us jointly, high you horse adieu, till you return. Goes fleance with you. Notice this. Macbeth said, are you going out? Are you going out later for a ride? Yeah. Is, is, is Fleance going with you? Is, is your boy, is your son going with you too? Automatically, you should be picking up something here. Remember, Macbeth was there when the prophecy was delivered to Banquo. You will be the father of kings. Your son will be king. Fleance is his son. Macbeth right now has just laid out for us, and there's some foreshadowing here, that He's going to do something. And basically what he's going to do is he's going to try to jack Banquo and Fleance. Okay? So he's going to try to kill his best friend and his son. Okay? And his best friend's son. 
So Macbeth says, I wish your horse is swift and sure foot, and I do command you their backs. Farewell. Banquo leaves. Let every man be the master of his time till seven at night to make society the sweeter welcome we will ourselves till supper time alone. Well, then, God be with you. Exit all but Macbeth and an attendant. Sirrah, a word with you. Attend those men with their pleasure. So he basically, he's going to call in these men um, that he's going to meet with. And these are going to be called cutthroats. So Shakespeare called them cutthroats. They're basically assassins. Okay. So Macbeth's going to meet with these men and uh, speak with these men. Uh, and they're going to be in your text labeled like first murderer. Okay. Uh, second murderer. Those are just basically assassins. Men hired or cutthroats as Shakespeare called them. And Macbeth's going to say, hey, these two men who are unemployed, they need work. Thus, they're in the business of being cutthroats. Thus, they're, they're employed by people to assassinate others. So what Macbeth is going to do, he starts off by saying, hey, you know... What would you do um, to the person who has caused you to lose employment, right? So he's going to say, remember the time I told you about this guy and this guy is the reason why you don't have a job? Well, what would you do if you could get your hands on him? Okay, and they're basically going to say, well, you know, I'd, I'd kill him. Um, I think nothing of it. So Macbeth says, both of you know Banquo was your enemy. And they kind of like, what? Are you, are, you, are you serious? He goes into the idea that it's, it's for, it's Banquo's fault that they are in the position they are in. And, and so it, it just shows us Macbeth's nature. He's always manipulating or his wife is always manipulating, like she manipulated him and he manipulates others, right? There's always this scheming. So at the end of Act uh, 3, Scene 1, we see that Macbeth employs the cutthroats to go out and kill Banquo. Scene 2, for us, is... is, is is going to be sort of this, this new, um, this, this new idea that Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, since Duncan, uh, the murder of Duncan, they haven't been doing too well. And Macbeth will say that they're having a hard time sleeping, especially Lady Macbeth. And they look they look really bad. And, and Lady Macbeth even says, like, you, you look terrible. You look terrible. So physically they look terrible. They're tired. They can't sleep. Remember the line, Macbeth, murder, sleep, kind of plays back again here. Um, and Macbeth is going to focus his his scheme now on 
the murder of Banquo. And Lady Macbeth's in on this, too. Uh, Macbeth says, oh, f- this is a great line. He's he's feeling a, a lot of stress, stress and a lot of pressure. And he says in, in a line, you'd have to kind of go, go a little bit down um, between the dialogue of Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, uh, is that he says, it feels like my my head has been sawed off. Someone has taken my skull off, put scorpions on my brain, and sewed my my head back on. So he says, Oh, full of scorpions is my mind, dear wife. Thou knowest that Banquo and his fleance lives. Okay, so the idea is he's stressed out because he feels threatened at every angle. He feels threatened by Donald Bain and Malcolm because they're still alive and out there and he wants them dead. He feels threatened in his own kingdom because Banquo and Fleance have this prophecy and he, he has no trust. He can't sleep. He is a wreck. So his mind feels like it's being stung with scorpions. Okay. Lady Macbeth says, but in them nature's copy, not interned. So Macbeth will say, there's comfort yet. That thou can be joined ere the bat hath flown and Callister flight ere to black Hecate summons. Shardborn beetle with the drowsy hums hath rung. Night's yawning peal there shall be done. A deed of dreadful note. Basically, something is going to be done about this. And it's going to be evil. It's going to be bad. It's going to be hate. Um, so... As they finish the scene, Lady Macbeth says, what's to be done? And Macbeth will say, uh, good things of day begin to drop and drowse while night's black agents do their praise, do rouse. The marvelous that my words, but hold thee still. Things bad begun make strong themselves by ill. So pray thee, go with me. So in, I don't have to really go through it too much, but in act, uh, three scene three we're, we're, we're in this sort of f- field or woods that's when we see the murder of banquo so banquo is ambushed as they're riding their horses they're ambushed and um killed he's stabbed fleance however escapes okay um and as he's dying fleance will 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 ride off and escape now, this is a really interesting thing, and I'll just say it now because it's something that you're going to probably wonder later, especially at the end. This is the last we see of Fleance. We don't see him anymore. Okay? So just note that that's the last time we'll see Fleance. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean he's dead. Doesn't mean anything like that. It's just the last time that we see this character. Uh, remember, though, the prophecies have come true. The prophecy probably will come true. Uh, later Um, but Shakespeare doesn't doesn't show us this Um, into scene scene four now for for scene four we we have quite a quite a scene um, which is a supper scene and as they're eating and having supper and waiting for Banquo to show up because he's supposed to show up for supper He's not coming, and even there's a get-empty chair uh, for Banquo. And uh, 
Macbeth keeps asking about where is Banquo. Well, he knows, you know, that he's been killed uh, because murderer comes in and tells him that. Um, but uh, all of a sudden, a ghost comes into the room and it'll be called like on stage, the ghost of Banquo. This ghost will enter and will sit in the, in, in the chair. Like Macbeth will get up from his chair and then this ghost will enter and sit in Macbeth's chair. Uh, and Macbeth will start talking to the ghost. He'll be afraid. He'll be like, what, you know, you're supposed to be dead. And, and this ghost will even, I've seen him in the play where this ghost will have a, have a dagger in his head. All right. Just to kind of clarify that this is the ghost of that Banquo. So Macbeth starts to rave and rant and, and speak to the ghost. He says, pray, uh, pray there, see there, behold, look, look how you say it. Why? What care I if thou canst not speak to? What are you looking at? What are you talking about? What are you doing here? Right? So imagine, he, and everybody's looking at it. And he's looking at a, an empty chair. He's talking to an empty chair. So this shows us like madness. Like he, He's almost going mad in front of us. Uh, Lady Macbeth sort of steps up, whisks him away, and basically comes to his defense and, and basically says that ever since he was young, he's had this medical condition and he's he's basically suffering. It is something they kept under wraps and he's suffering from this sort of medical condition and she basically says, you know, he's gotta go he's going off the bed to lie down and all this. He has this admired disorder. Um almost like if he had like you know, if you think if he had epilepsy or something like that, and just this condition that he can't control, neurological condition that maybe uh, sort of just attacks at him with no explanation. Um, and he's, he's, it's genetic. He's had it forever. So she, she kind of covers this up and, and she, she tells him to go away. She says a kind good night to all, exit all, but Macbeth, Lady Macbeth, basically everybody leaves the, the ceremony, the supper, um, because of this. And, and and Macbeth and Lady Macbeth start to have this dialogue about what he saw. Um, and Macbeth, from this, starts to uh, distrust everyone. Um He, he, he even makes an acknowledgement of Macduff in this. Um, but Macbeth says, come, we'll to sleep, my strange and self-abuse, innate fear that wants hard use. We are yet but young indeed. So it, it kind of ends with the fact that they can't sleep and maybe they should go get some rest because maybe they're hallucinating due to the fact that the stress is on them. Okay, so that's that's the end of scene four. And then now scene five, we, we get to see the witches again. And this is an interesting uh, scene. So w with this next scene, or the scene five, we're on the heath. Again, the three witches are going to meet Hecate. Now, this is an interesting scene because some scholars say this is a scene that Shakespeare probably didn't write and was inserted after the fact because... 
the scene with Hecate, Hecate was never seen before. It was the other witches. Now, Hecate is like the, think of her as the queen witch, right? Um, the, it doesn't, and I mean, you would have to understand Shakespearean iambic pentameter, but it does not, it does not look like Shakespeare's hand. Like it doesn't read. It's all rhymy, and 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 it, it's not, it's not the typical Shakespearean iambic pentameter. So this Hecate scene just shows us um, uh, the idea that Hecate was not uh, as the queen witch. She's angry because she wasn't included in the scheming and the plotting. And all the things that had gone on before. She wants to get her hands dirty too. She wants to to mess with people. Um, and then the whole scene kind of just plays around almost like a song. She sings a song. Um, and, and that's it. So it's a weird scene. And, and, and it's not really important. But that's why some people say that it might have been after the fact. Just to add some like... I mean, like the 1600 audience was very superstitious. They loved this, the the witch, the witches in the play. And when the witches would appear, and 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 the whole idea of the 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 devilish incarnations and the spells and all the nasties that the witches bring to the play. So, you know, the more the better. So it, it's kind of like remaking a film doing an extended cut of a film and putting in more actions and explosions, right? For the crowd, for the audience. So that's why some people think that this was written and is not Shakespeare's own. Uh, let's jump to the final scene in this act. This is scene six. Uh, we're at Forest, uh, the palace, and we have Lennox and a lord. Uh, and they're going to have a little conversation. It's actually important. Um, it's be and it's really important because now people like Lennox, Lord Macduff, they're starting to see Macbeth who he truly is. Every like. It <laughs> It's, it's like when you, we start to look at things that have happened and they're too convenient. Um, and, and Macbeth is turning into a tyrant. And they actually use that word in the scene. And they start to see him for maybe who he is. And maybe the idea could be that Donald Bain and Malcolm are not guilty. Maybe, just maybe, it was Macbeth all along. So Macduff goes on his own. And he's going to meet Malcolm. He's going to go to England. He's going to meet with Malcolm and, and try to uh, perhaps figure this out or to wage war against Macbeth to come back. And, and, and this would be our insurrection, uh, remove the king and replace him with the rightful king. Uh, so Macduff is on his way to England to do this. Uh, and, and to, um, you know, kind of with Malcolm's help, mass this army that would march on Scotland. Uh, so this is, is all dialogue between Lennox and this Lord. Um, plus we, we see that there, the country itself is not doing well. So remember this line, this thematic, um, idea it's a motif it's like the arthurian motif that we talked about as go the king so goes the state 
So there's a line by Lennox that says um, about Macduff going to England. Some holy angel fly to the court of England and unfold his message ere he come, that a swift blessing may soon return to this, our suffering country under a hand accursed. So as go the king, so goes the state. So Scotland is suffering under Macbeth. They need to remove him to replace him with the rightful king to thus improve. Um so, so that's the, uh, oh, and, and there's also a little footnote here I want to talk about uh, in that scene when the Lord is having the dialogue and, and the idea that like things are, are awful and Duncan's death has been placed on the sons, like the, the, you know, the son of Duncan from whom this tyrant holds the due of birth lives in the English court. So there's this idea that maybe the sons are responsible for Duncan's murder and, also, we learn that uh, Banquo's murder has been placed on Fleance, so because he fled too, so he's the one to blame. Uh, so interesting there, but what we do see is that Macduff does not believe this, and Macduff is going to go to England to get to the bottom of it and perhaps uh, mass this army to march on Scotland and uh, replace um, Macbeth and, and bring him to justice. You know, um, so that's the end of Act Three. So that would have been our, our last week, and what we would have covered last week. Um, now with with this week, we're on uh, Act Four. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to stop this uh, podcast um, at this about 32 minute mark right now. We'll we'll stop here. I'll label it as Act 3, post it up for you guys, uh, and then I'll label and I'll record the second part um, maybe a little bit later today, and I'll post that up um, uh, today as well. So then we'll have the Part 3, which was last week, Part 4, which is this week, kind of in, in, in the same area, but separate. Okay, so uh, we'll stop there and uh, we will uh, see you on part two.